This is the Podcast Inc. production. Booyah! This is the moment podcasting fans listening around the world have been waiting for. Coming to you not so live from a listening device of your choice. It's time! Podcasting out of this corner, a mixed martial talker, holding no professional record. He stands at six feet one and one half inches tall, weighing in at whatever he feels like, hailing out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, presenting the sometimes angry, always funny, Self-proclaimed podcasting champion of the world, Steve Fingerstiles! So, welcome to another rendition of the podcast. I am here once again, always again, and brought to you by First Row Collectibles, if you're into nerd culture, if you're into science sports memorabilia, if you're into wrestling memorabilia, please visit firstroll.ca. Use promo code THEPODCAST20. Everything you see there is in Canadian funds. So to all you American listeners, it's a little bit cheaper if you do the conversion. But don't worry, they ship worldwide. Like I said, they got comic books. They got wrestling figures, science sports memorabilia. You name it, they got it. They update daily. So please visit them every day at firstroll.ca. And if you're into video games and books, please visit bossfightbooks.com today for great books on classic video games. You'll find titles like Galaga, NBA Jam, Shadow of the Colossus, and so many others. Everything you see on their websites available in paperback and ebook format. So please check them out today at bossfightbooks.com. And if you want to support me directly, please visit my merchandise store at tpublic.com or scroll down on today's device. It's embedded right there. Click on that link. It takes you right to the merchandise store. I got everything from hoodies to t-shirts to onesies to travel mugs to phone cases. Anything you need or want, it is literally there. But if you don't want to support anything monetarily, it's totally understandable. The easiest thing, the freest thing, the thing that takes you two seconds, the most important thing, Rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms, most specifically Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. So this week, I'm joined by two returning guests. First up, you can say he's pretty much a co-host at this point, but he covers, (laughs) writes, tests, reviews, and plays video games for a living, Rocket League aficionado, Steve Tilly. Still stuck in Platinum 3 on Rocket League, man. Actually, no, Diamond 1, Diamond 2 sometimes, but yeah, yeah, it's good to be here again. Nice, perfect. And as I said, I have a second guest. The man behind the Electric Playground Empire. The OG, the Canadian gem, the godfather of video game coverage, Mr. Victor Lucas. Oh my God. <laughs> I feel like I'm, I'm walking into a boxing ring. That's incredible. Thank you. Thank you for that awesome introduction. And thank you for assembling Steve and I together in this podcast. We don't connect enough. And I, I, uh, I miss you very much, Steve Tilly. And it's just great to be able to be, be on a podcast with you today, man. It's awesome. 
Yeah, I keep begging Vic to let me on the basement, but he's like, no, nah, man, you're not big enough. I got, I got stars. Vic's like, I got bona fide stars. <laughs> well, you know what it's it is? I would, do, I would do the basement more, but, you know, I'm, I'm video editing now. I'm doing all kinds of extra oh. content to, like, keep the video content going. And so I only do I, – I, I'm not even able to hit the once a week on the Vic's Basement podcast right now, mm. especially because all the games are coming out. I know. Uh, but I would I absolutely love to have you back on there, man. Of course. Uh, I'll ramp it back up. Well, you hear, you heard it here first, so now you got to hold up to it. <laughs> yep. I, I have a bunch in the, in the can. I just did a uh, – uh, a bunch of interviews with people at uh, the External Development Summit, and uh, oh, wow. I've got some good stuff coming on the Vix Basement podcast. So, but we're not here to talk about that. We're we're here to talk about what uh, what what you've got lined up for us, Steve. Well, it's not really lined up for people who listen. They know this is just a conversation. It's not like I'm going to be here telling, okay, this is this, this is that. But in a nutshell, okay, how about this? What have you guys been consuming? My me myself, I've been loving Marvel's What If. I know Vic, you've been a big fan, following you on socials. What about you, Steve? Yeah, um, I was a big fan of the What If comics back in the day. Like it was one of the one of the series that I that I, I was really into. I'm I'm I I'm a little bit mixed on the series. Um, oh. I like kind of some of the, the storylines they're doing. Okay, I just I don't know. There's something about it. It's like it's it's, it's going back and forth between this weird mix of like kind of humor and and okay. and kind of darkness. And I found that the the, the zombie episode, the zombie episode was the last one. Maybe it was like the, I know. A good zombie movie kind of hits both those notes. It hits like the darkness and the scariness and also the humor. But I don't know. It's just, it was, some of this stuff isn't quite working for me the way that the old what if comics did. Like, oh, you know, okay. what if, uh, yeah, like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I like how they kind of went out in left field to grab some of the topics. Or maybe they're based on issues. They're probably, they're probably based on the issues of the comics. Vic would know better than I. So I'm digging it. And I'm, and I'm digging the animation style. I just, I don't know. I was thinking there might be something a little bit more that might grab me a little more. And I think one of the problems wait, I have with it is... Where do you see episode eight, bro? Right? Where do you see so, the, the okay. most recent... Was that the Ultron one, right? Yeah. Okay. This, okay. This, is, this is the episode that really capitalizes on the freedom that What If yes. you know, posits that puts out there. I love the first one because of Captain um, uh, Carter. I just was yeah. blown away by Peggy Carter as our new Captain America. But I, really I that thought too. that that was the high point. And I, yeah, so exactly. I, I've been a little up and down. Okay. Um, I enjoyed the zombies a hell of a lot. I thought the third one was pretty cool where all the Avengers were getting yes. murdered. I like that one. Um, I, I liked the Thor one, but I found like it was so, it was like such a course correction episode. This was the, the, the sort of more happy version, the happy episode where Thor and right. Jane Foster fall in love and all the cameos from, but uh, episode eight is now my favorite in the show. It is in, oh, in the okay, whole that's series. Good. Yes, me that's too. Good. And so, and then, and the now. next, yeah, the, the finale is next week. So I, I don't know when this podcast is going up, but it ha- the finale of the show hasn't aired yet. But episode eight gets me so pumped because it's a two-parter. It's such a big episode. There's actually uh-huh. more to come, and but it gets me so pumped for where we can go right now. It's very yes. exciting. See, me, yeah. myself, I enjoy because I never read the comics. So to me, this is all fresh stuff. So I'm loving... Like I didn't read the comics either. Oh, okay. So then there you go. Yeah, I was more of a DC guy growing up. That's and, true. Uh, it wasn't okay. until Tommy uh, you know, <laughs> got obsessed with Spider-Man. He was always obsessed with Spider-Man, but he, we used to bicker back and forth about how good the spider-man games were and how crappy the batman games were right. and I, I always felt so personally slighted until arkham asylum came out 
but we would, you know, start to cover Marvel stuff on the show all the time. And we met Stan Lee early on, and he was incredible. And, and uh, um, you know, uh, visited Activision to talk about Spider-Man on the PlayStation 1, which Tommy actually worked on. And, uh, yeah, I really got sort of... In, we were on the set of the first Spider-Man movie too. EP has been this incredible conduit for me to have all of these crazy experiences that I, I, I like. I forget about some of the cool things that have happened, but uh, you're just chilling with Tobey Maguire. Well, actually, we, I met Tobey Maguire at the MTV Movie Awards, and we talked about video games, which was crazy. That's another story, but uh, um, we uh, th- through EP, I started to fall in love with Marvel, and then. Just as EP became a daily show is when the MCU was taking off. And uh, it was like it was a crazy, you know, a crazy run because it felt like we were running in parallel. Like we kept growing. We were growing our Avengers and Steve joined the family and we had all of these incredible people working on our super heroics. Mm -hmm. And then we were also working alongside marvel and disney on like we did the making of iron man and i interviewed robert Downey jr and oh. kevin feige and john favreau at the birth of we we were and we one of the things we got to do was go and visit the editing suite where they were cutting iron man and we were watching them put some effects in and it was all so crazy and then every comic-con we were running into these stars and interviewing them about their stuff and um it was surreal so i i really through the course of making EP have fallen in love with Marvel. And the best thing that I think Marvel has done for the books is, is uh, release that Marvel unlimited um, app where you pay a hundred bucks a month or whatever. And oh. there's 29,000 comic books Shit. that you can dig into. It's incredible. <laughs> like I, I'm on that all the time. Now, did you ever think going back doing these interviews with these people when Marvel first came out, that would be the empire it is today. Did you ever think it would get this far? Honestly? Uh, I, I mean, I could see the value in it, and what became interesting for me was recognizing that we have, have had so many decades where we could walk into a comic store or even a drugstore, sure. and we would see all of these titles, all of these different superheroes and all that stuff, and they all persisted. Every month there would be new tales and new stories, and there were there were uh, there's a business behind all that, and that right. business is still vital and still a part of pop culture, and what I kind of saw in my mind was that, oh yeah, I guess what we're doing is we're making moving images of the comic rack. We're making mm. the interpretation of what it's like to walk into a comic store, but but now they're going to be movie titles that we're going to be able to pull off. Because sure. there's so much to mine, and anybody that's read comic books, you know, I've read them my whole life, you know, most prior to the Marvel stuff, it was all the DC stuff. I was crazy for all that. And I've always seen the value in that. That's why I've always been so adamant about the video game industry really doing their best work with superheroes um so i think i could see it being very popular and going for a long time but i don't know if i i mean i didn't i didn't think that guardians of the galaxy was going to be as big as it because i knew nothing about guard you know it's like but then it's a huge hit that that surprised the hell out of me yeah no kidding right so okay now with all the howard duck cameos do you think there's going to be a movie the duck what do you think steve i mean the problem with doing a howard the duck movie is you gotta follow up you're you can't not address the uh the one from the 80s right the lucas uh version of it, it was george lucas was involved in that somehow right yeah, he produced it or was, something. yeah. Yep. uh which is like you know regarded as one of the worst movies of all time and it is it is 
it is an abomination. <laughs> have you ever seen it, Steve? Oh, well, of course it? I have. Come on. Yeah, okay, yeah. So, you know, but I mean, to see Howard the Duck popping up in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies and in What If, you know, I think Seth Green actually voices the character in, in, yeah, he um, does. He's in the What If com- or the What If show. There you go. Yeah. You know, I, 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 it kind of reminds me what made Howard the Duck a, a fun character to begin with. But I don't know, man. I think there's a lot of heroes in line for Howard the Duck for their own movie. <laughs> and, and I mean, how would you how would you get by the the movie where he's looking at Play Duck? He's looking at a naked duck in a centerfold of Play Duck magazine. Now that's it's like, how do you get that out of your mind? You, you go to make or you go to watch. That is uh, true. The new oh Howard the Duck movie. Well, they could know, do a series. It doesn't have to be a movie, right? Yeah. Sure. I think, yeah, that could be. They're gonna get to everything. I mean, like, honestly, they're going to get to every, like, they've turned Captain, they've turned Peggy Carter into a superhero, you know, and I bought the action figure. I actually, it's not out yet, but I've pre-ordered the Peggy Carter, (laughs) Captain Carter action figure because I love that episode so much. Um, So, yeah, I think they're going to get to everything. You know what I really want, though, is the Miles Morales story and uh, like a a series of movies or an animated show. Like, I love, like, the Spider-Verse film is one of my favorite superhero Mm -hmm pieces of work period it was just such an incredible movie uh but i love the character and i love what insomniac did with the uh the video game and and uh i I love seeing into that world and from his perspective and um you know it's just incredible like and who knew that that would work out so well when they brought those books out because i've gone back and read those comics and those comics like it's a direct through line to the game and to the movie. Like if you like mm. Spider Verse and if you like the, uh, the the Insomniac game, right. you gotta read the origin stuff in the books because it's perfect. It's like they both handled the material so well, oh, awesome. and it's so vital. And I, I like it's shocking to me that we're getting two Venom movies but no Miles Morales movie yet. You know, <laughs> like, that's gotta happen. Yeah, Nick, no are kidding. you allowed to say anything about uh, Let There Be Carnage? Or are you allowed to, to give us some impressions? Yeah, I, I just I put up the review just uh, today. So okay. uh, it, it, yeah, because it, it comes out tomorrow. So uh, it, it, I mean, I I like the first movie, but in spite of itself, like it was so kind of messy and kind of broken, but it was kind of fun, and mostly because Tom Hardy kind of threw himself at the work, and it was just fun to watch the insanity. This is more of that. It's not better than than that, and because it's not better, it's some it's a little bit worse, I think, because it's not surprising. But it's really cool to see the creatures together, like mm, to see Venom okay. and Carnage. The, the visual effects are fantastic, right. and they, definitely, I felt it like the chills, you know, going up the back of my spine. There, I was like, okay. "Oh, this is freaking cool!" It reminded me of like um, uh, I said it in my review, but it reminded me of like uh, like a Godzilla King Kong kind of fight, like a oh. kaiju kind of deal. You know? cool. uh, yeah, so it's it's worth seeing for sure. Um, and there's some pretty cool surprises in it, um, but it's not MCU caliber. It's not uh, okay. doesn't yeah. stand toe to toe with anything that Kevin Feige has been, you know, expressly supervising. Well, the one thing that DC does better than Marvel is putting out their animated movies. Like, I know you tweeted about this, Vic, why Marvel doesn't do more of them. And why do you think they don't? Because look what the Miles Morales, like the Spider-Verse that you just mentioned did for so many people, yeah. right? Yeah, they will. They will. They'll get into that for sure. I mean, uh, what we're seeing with Disney Plus, that's a that's a giant that has been awoken. You know, yeah. like that that is a that uh, is true. I mean, they they have our attention. They have our subscription. Now they have to feed us with new material 
like crazy. It's like a mega network, you know? Like they have just look what they've done with Star Wars. Look at how right? they've shifted our right. Like Mandalorian oh, is just like this it. fever the dream. Best. It's so good. Yep. It's it, like it's the most. If it's not the best TV show ever made, it's maybe the most miraculous TV show ever made. You know, <laughs> it's close. Like, it mine is still exist. lost. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. That's still mine. But in, like, in terms of the visual effects and placing us in the context of much bigger feature films, but I get it. It is. It's feeling, crazy. Yeah, like it's part of that world yes. in a seamless way. Like, what was it, season two, episode two, or something like that, where they're mm-hmm. fighting like a dune-sized giant worm, a sandworm. It's right. like what the. How is this a TV show? You know, they're exactly. jetpacking over to a giant when there's sand people running. It's like, how the hell did we get to this as a TV show? You know, this would have been like the budget of 10 movies 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah it's so true. Because that's yeah. how I sell it to people that have never watched it. And they're like, oh, we know you're a Star Wars fan. Uh, should we watch The Mandalorian? And what I say is, it's a movie on the small screen. That's what every episode is. Yeah. Just enjoy My it. My question would be, how, how have you not watched How do you call yourself a Star Wars fan and you have not watched The Mandalorian? Well, you have this little group of Star Wars that only appreciate the first three that came out. And everything else after is an abomination, right? So you, you still have that cluster yeah, yeah. of fans, right? Yeah, I mean, those are the people who I think The Mandalorian can really speak to, too. Right? I think so, too. Exactly. It's the old kind of classic Star Wars that we remember. I just It, it, it surprises me so much that we've had now... Uh, two seasons, two seasons of The Mandalorian, right? Yeah, and three different Marvel series now on, on Disney Plus, and there has not been a single stinker or even a clunker, right? Among right. It, what if you could argue has been uneven? But in terms of the, the live action stuff, like like Loki and WandaVision and uh, so Falcon Winter Soldier, oh yeah, um, love them all, and the two seasons of Mandalorian and all the stuff that they're going to spin off from that, everything has been not just good but great. Yep. And it's like how they not. I mean, who I know, I know, I know they've got some of the best, smartest minds in the business there. But how, it just blows my mind that they have not tripped up or slipped up or or done anything less than when, great so far. When the movies clearly did right. When, when the, the movies that's just clear the thing is, too, right? Yeah, the movies have been so divisive, and and the you know the the the, the prequel trilogy was. The <laughs> trilogy. Even yeah. the sequel trilogy, you know, it's to me. I I've, I've always said I don't. To me, Star Wars is episodes four through six. Sure. The other stuff is kind of like really good cover bands or really good fan <laughs> fiction. It's like I appreciate it. I like seeing more stuff in the Star Wars universe, but to me it just doesn't quite have the same magic connection that Star Wars did. But and but The Mandalorian did. You know, The Mandalorian yeah. kind of reconnected to that. that Rogue that One does voice. too, I find. I, it, I like it's, it's I like part of Rogue One. It is the closest thing, yeah, mm-hmm. definitely to old yeah. school Star Wars. And I, I actually love Force Awakens still too. I love that movie, but it, it it just it breaks your heart to see that all of the the uh, you know the balls that uh, that J J Abrams lofted into yeah. the air were just like <laughs> swatted down to yeah. the ground. You know, like right, all Ryan of these Johnson, Ryan Johnson swats them all down, and then J J yeah. comes in again. Picks some of them up. He gets a few more at the store, and it's like, could you guys? It's a you guys knew you were doing three movies, right? Yeah. Could you not have just yeah. like figured this shit out ahead of time? Got it's everything so worked out. It's so frustrating. Because what breaks my heart is, I love those characters too. You know, I love Ray and I love uh, Finn and uh, Poe. Of course, uh, they're all cool. You know, I love BB-8. You know, like yep. they have so many great elements, and then yeah. 
we're trying to forget about those. It really does feel like Disney and Star Wars are just like, yeah, we're, we don't talk about those anymore, you know? Okay, how about we'll this make for... a Rogue One show, but we won't, won't make a Poe show, you know? How about this for a, a crazy question? Other than three, well, what is it, three, four, and five, what are your favorite Star Wars movies? Uh, five and six, like the middle. You jump around. Yeah, sorry, four, five, six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four, five, six. I, I love, I love Rogue One and I love Force Awakens. Okay. And I don't hate any of the other ones except for two. That's just that an unwatchable. Yeah. That is just so awful. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, I like that they they tried something to make it a little bit different with the prequels. It's just that uh, there were elements that were really hard and, and the reliance on all of the CGI sets and backgrounds really made those things look dated almost immediately. Like the uh, year later they looked, that's true. They look super dated, right, right. but uh, yeah, Rogue and, One and Force Awakens were pretty special movies. Yeah. And with the prequels, I mean, George Lucas created this amazing thing. This Lucas created this magical thing in Star Wars, but the truth is he's not a great director and he's not a great writer. And the, I think the problem with the prequels was you've got George's direction and George's words coming come out of the mouths of very, you got Natalie Portman and Hayden Christensen. You got very, very talented actors in that movie who are capable of portraying very, you know, complex emotional characters, just saying these God awful words that just yank yeah. you out of the movie so quickly. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think my favorite non-middle trilogy Star Wars movie is The Mandalorian, taken as a whole. <laughs> yeah. That's cheating. That's, that's, <laughs> also, what, what Filoni did with the Clone Wars, I don't know if you guys are Clone Wars viewers, but the, the animated Clone Wars yeah. show was awesome. It was. And the Bad Batch season one was just incredible it was impeccable is it you know, okay because i haven't watched yeah. it yet and i'm on and i'm on the it's fence incredible. and okay. it's such a great one-to-one with the mando show as well right because it's oh. much more focused clone wars is a lot to take in sure because there's a lot of episodes and yep. there's a lot of threads yep and it's a lot of prequel stuff mm-hmm. right it's all interwoven in there yeah but filoni rescued that era with that work in Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. So, it's, it, you know, if you like Bad Batch, you will also, I guarantee you, love the Clone Wars animated stuff. I haven't seen Rebels, and I haven't seen Resistance. I haven't gone, and I want to. It's just a question of finding the time to do it. But I loved Clone Wars, and I loved Bad Batch. It's really heartening to know that the future of Star Wars is in the hands of Filoni and, and John Favreau. And these are two yeah. guys who grew up in Star Wars and loved Star Wars with, you know, almost the same passion that, that Lucas did and, yep. but are both, you know, shrewd, smart, talented guys with vision and knowing that whatever's going to come out down the line is going to come from these guys and, you know, and the people mm-hmm. they surround themselves with makes me really, you know, um, confident in the future of Star Wars that, that we're going to get a lot of good stuff from here, you know, for the next, I don't know, 10, 20 years, who knows? You know, do you know that Favreau knew he was going to be directing hundred and two hundred million dollar movies when he was working on like Zathura or whatever it was called, like <laughs> very early in his career. You know, post Swingers and you know, a couple of things under his belt, maybe Elf. He knew he was in the two hundred million ballpark range. He, like he could see that, just like Jim wow. Carrey wrote a check to himself and oh, yeah. ended up cashing it. It was that same kind of profit, you know, self prophecy and, oh, and cool. self fulfillment of of his value. Um, but yeah, if you look at Favreau, he, he's an incredible human being. Like he is so smart, 
And the guy that can float from behind the camera so effectively to in front of the camera, right. he knows where to 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 position himself, but also to share the load and to um, shine the spotlight on all of the collaborators around him, which is very evident yeah. if you watch the behind the scenes on on yeah, Bando. Yeah. But uh, um, it's also in the work, you know, like the guy directed Iron Man one and Iron Man two. He set up the MCU. He's been producing <laughs> yeah. all the way along. He's been so making crazy. that happen alongside uh, Kevin Feige. Now, know? how about this for a um, what if? What if John Favreau never existed? <laughs> we well, we almost got a Tom Cruise Iron Man movie. I oh, that's right! The, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. I was talking with uh, one of the people that I interviewed at the uh, at the External Development Summit last week was um, uh, Dave Anthony, who set up uh, Deviation Games, and they've Ooh. got a big deal with PlayStation. They've got something cool coming down the pipeline. Uh, but he was on the game for the Tom Cruise Iron Man before he got. Um, he was working for Activision. Activision was going to publish it because they had the Marvel rights back then. Right. And he got deep into making the game, and then the, you know from what the deal fell through, and they had canceled the game on him, but then offered him Call of Duty. So his life went poosh, on a mm-hmm. rocket ship. He was in the middle of England, and then they, they said, we need you on Call of Duty in Southern California. So he left the rain and came to the palm trees. Uh, but, yeah, the idea that we almost got a Tom Cruise Iron Man is kind of – cool to think about but uh i yeah i don't know if it all would have clicked into place without favreau for sure yeah. like feggy gets all the the work but iron man set the tone like and i think hulk was out before then though wasn't it wasn't hulk, uh, the first? hulk or uh, by a few months i think it was technically the first i think um, it was right the yeah original? we don't yeah. sometimes really count it because edward norton kind of got the yeah. boot from the character and it was yeah. but there is there is that scene at the end of Hulk I think that begins to set the Avengers initiative uh, now I can't remember was it Hulk, Hulk or Iron Man first it came out in the same year I think but I don't remember which one and then, yeah and then Captain America and Thor I mean just the yeah. aggressiveness yeah. that just the audacity <laughs> nobody I mean everybody recognizes the money but I like the the sheer talent and the force of will that it takes yeah. to make every one of those things like an eight out of 10 movie or better is just like, no one's done that. No bond, no Harry Potter, nothing ever. No star Wars. Nobody's ever come close to what Marvel has been able to achieve. Even Thor, the dark world, which gets maligned. And a lot of people don't, I don't know if you guys like it or not, but I, I enjoyed that movie. I thought it was just a cool trippy space opera you know yeah, with you know science fiction and and like yeah. uh, fantasy elements in it um like i have not been like, i've been entertained to different degrees by these movies but i've never come out of them going holy crap that sucked that was terrible out of any of the marvel movies they've all been entertaining in their own way what about the, the fox marvel movies uh. um yeah i wasn't crazy about the uh, Apocalypse, X Men Apocalypse. I didn't mind that last X Men movie that everybody Dark hated. Phoenix? Yeah, yeah, I saw that with uh, with uh, Johnny Millennium, and we reviewed that for Film Fury. We both agreed. We thought it was pretty cool. There were some cool elements in it, and then when we okay. saw the reviews, like, wow, everybody hates this. <laughs> <laughs> they hate it. But we didn't feel that. Uh, but I didn't like Dark Phoenix. I didn't like X Men Three that much. Um, the Wolverine Origin movie was pretty terrible uh even the the uh and it's funny because the guy that directed logan what's his name again i forget his name he directed the 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 wolverine film where he goes to japan yeah the wolverine 
Yeah, that had some excellent elements in it, but mm-hmm. yeah, it was still. It, it's not know. great. Yeah, I just rewatched. Yeah. I just rewatched Logan, and um, you know, again, loved it again. It's the third or fourth time. Like, oh, I want to go back and watch the Wolverine again. And I got yeah. about 10, 15 minutes. And I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot this movie is not great. Yeah. You know, it's it was better than the Wolverine stuff that had come before in terms of origins. But uh, I mean, Logan just took that character in such a wild direction and was such a great send off for Hugh Jackman. And um, now we got to figure out what the, the future of Wolverine is. Well, we know, for, for one thing, I know we're going to get to this soon, Steve, is uh, Insomniac working on a Wolverine game. How yeah. exciting is that? That's a perfect segue. It's like you've done this before. <laughs> Speaking of Wolverine, let's touch on the Sony showcase that just happened a few days or weeks by the time this airs. Like, again, I, I, I don't know about you guys because you guys actually go and do the cons and everything. Do you guys prefer like these one-offs where every company does their own thing virtually instead of going in person and one whole thing and then having only three days to consume it? Or do you like it being like, you know what I mean? You know what? I I think it's good that we have choice with this. I think that there's a way to, I think what happens is if you do the same thing, because I was getting burnt out on, on E3. That's what I figured, right? Exactly. I've been to 25. And I was like, Jesus. do I keep going to these things forever? Is that is that what I do? Um, but now I miss them. Now I miss E3 ah, in a huge way, right? Okay. But I've enjoyed the streams, and I've enjoyed streaming with people and, and uh, doing it live and chatting about things that's, that's true. been happening. Yeah, yeah. And I also like the, um, like Apple's been doing some excellent work with their video reveals and stuff like that. I, I like the production that goes into a lot of these things. Sure. It's interesting for, for me as a producer to to see the efforts that uh, studios and production teams put put into that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I miss the people now, for sure. And I can't wait okay. to go back to an E3. But I, I think so, it's probably a good thing to mix it up. What do you think happens now? I'm curious, because, you know, I, I like you, I've, I think I think 23s is where I finally <laughs> tapped out. I, I didn't go to the I didn't go to the last the, I, didn't, I did not go to the last E three before the pandemic, and then we we missed two years now. I think yeah. right. So yeah. given like Steve says, given that that studios and, and publishers are having you know pretty good success streaming, are we going to see return to the E three that you and I knew, or are we going to see a no. weird hybrid E three? Like no, what do you think the next in person E three will be if there is going to be another in person E three? Well, you know, it it's all about um, it's 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 interesting because before it was trying to capture the attention of like a a set number of outlets to talk about the industry. Now it is a a huge desire on the part of the game industry to attract all of the voices to come and talk about this thing. And so streaming will never not be a part of whatever the future of telling the story around E3 is going to be. Um, But I also think that there's going to be a huge emphasis on influencers, which I I hate that term. (laughs) I hate the uh, I hate the idea around it. Um, It just seems so uh, so cynical to me. Um, But in that combination will also be an element of what we came up in which were teams of, of people editorially managing the stories that they were going to find at E3. So they will be a player and a mixture in there, but the aggregate of all of these different other voices, these influencers, is more important to the future of the medium right now um, in terms of getting the word out because that's what kids consume. You know, that's what, the, that's what young people are, are, are 
they're finding their voices and they're sticking with their voices. They don't yep. care about media brands. They don't care about uh, the team. They, they you know, mm-hmm. they they want to zero in on the specific individuals that are their conduits for that that info. And so those those people become incredibly important. I just hope that the um, uh, the professionalism grows, you know, and it's not just a bunch of binary commentary. This sucks. This this is awesome. This sucks. Mm-hmm. This is awesome. You know, and I feel like that's where a lot of discussion around games has gotten to. And there's been so much vitriol and anger and and, uh, some of it warranted, you know, because sometimes the games industry gets really outwardly uh, egregiously greedy. um, (laughs) And it's it's kind of hard to see that. And and I think gamers that are savvy don't pull any punches when they see that they they say it. And I think that's fine. But um, I, I hate it when it's. You know, apart from these abuse allegations happening at Activision Blizzard, which yes, they have to turn that around. Ubisoft needs to turn that around as well. Yeah, of course. Um, but in terms of companies just being evil and being painted as being evil, which we hear about EA all the time and Activision, you know, for other things, um, and and UB and all that stuff, I I can't stand that. But you know, that's what's happened with our soapbox um, commentators that are out there and all of these different platforms that are out there and that's just the way it is but they're you know they're important it's either that or they've been branded and they've got a sponsor a brand deal or a sponsor deal to say exactly what the Mm. the publisher needs them to say and that's gross to me as well you know i wish i wish people with an audience could understand that their value is in uh, is in their honesty and their integrity it's not in the amount of sponsors that they accumulate you know their long-term value they might get a little bit of financial boon because they have an audience right now and take, take brand deals that, that make sense for them. But um, they should be thinking long-term. They should be thinking about, uh, especially if they're making tons of money, they should be thinking about pulling, uh, bringing groups of people together and building like full media brands and being, being in this for the long haul, yeah. if that's what they like. No, but some people, no and that's the other thing too, in the games industry, a lot of people just want that fame no matter where it comes mm. from. And games are a conduit right now, but they're hoping to pivot to become movie actors or talk show hosts or whatever, you know? So what were some of your favorites coming out of the Sony showcase? Can we at least agree that Insomniac is one of the greatest of all time now? Oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, when they, yeah. when they made the, the first Spider-Man game, I was saying that was the smartest purchase that Sony's ever made. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and to see what they're going to do with... Um... With the Wolverine character, uh, one of the great things about the Spider-Man games, and you see it, I think, even more in Miles Morales, is that Insomniac does action great, but they do story great. They do characters great. You yes. get really, you know, yeah. a glimpse into the heart and the lives of those characters. And Wolverine is such a complex character with such a, such a rich history that, um, you know, given what they can do with gameplay mechanics and given what they can do with storytelling, that character is just like such a perfect match for Insomniac's two real strengths. So. I mean, in, during the showcase, all we saw was a very quick cutscene where, you know, Wolverine's sitting in the bar, pops his claws, and that's <laughs> it. We're not going to see any more probably for, you know, until till next year sometime. And I, thought the, I don't think the game's coming out until, was it 2022? So I, I'm guessing holiday 2022. But yeah, man, that's a great combination. There's, there's a pretty good, you know, um, some pretty good stuff in the showcase. I have not been following the industry as closely anymore because I'm largely out of it, which is kind of a weird perspective because for so long... I had to be immersed in everything games. Right? Yeah. Like I would not. I would not miss uh, something like the Sony Showcase or the Nintendo Direct 
but um, I'm, I'm kind of in the back seat now. So you know, I work behind the scenes and I work uh, on other stuff, other kinds of writing. So to to watch these things just as a fan and and not not necessarily have my critics brain engaged is always mm. always pretty exciting. So um, yeah, so there was stuff that I hadn't heard of yet, um, like the the Tiny Tina's Wonderland, the the, the kind oh, of Borderlands. Okay. Borderlands meets Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. That's that, I think that could be really cool. You know, I love a good fantasy RPG <laughs> to combine the shoot and loot of Borderlands with like a, you know, the, and the humor of Borderlands with kind of a more of a traditional fantasy RPG setting. Uh, that could be pretty wild. And the Guardians of the Galaxy game that's coming out like next month, right? Yeah, soon. Yeah. Montreal. Yeah, uh, I have no idea what to expect from that. What do you think, Vic? Is that? I, do you have any insight? I had hands on. Like? It was oh, really yeah. fun. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, um, they've decided to make it a single-player game, but you're in control of the whole team. And so mm. part of uh, the realization that I had playing it and, and talking with the people behind it is that it's kind of like you you have to become a leader. You have to earn your your leader role as Peter Quill because you only play a Star Lord, right. and there's a tremendous amount of you know emphasis on this on the dialogue and the storytelling as you would expect out of a Marvel property like that. Um, I, I'm sure that, that there was a lot of hand wringing and and uh, scratching their heads about how they were going to do this because you know I think you think of that you automatically think of five player co op experience, but um, mm. I honestly believe that this was the right choice to start this as a potential thing that continues on because they can add in a co-op sequel um but i think they need to get the mechanics and the characters and the personalities and and uh uh, all of that that down and and what i played was really fun it was really um cool to throw in all of the other guardians and they it's basically like the guardians are your power-ups because you've got this You've got your own abilities, and then you have all of what the Guardians bring to the table, and you can level everybody up, and then you're calling people in real time to jump in and help you in your fights. And there's some strategy to that, and there's also um, you know, some allegiances and loyalty that you're building up with the group, and you don't want to piss them off, but you're, hmm. of course, everybody, they, they get into fights because that's what they do internally. Uh, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. I think what's happening though with Spider-Man is Spider-Man is coming out in I think 2023, and then oh, really? I don't. I think Wolverine is probably 2024. Oh wow, oh, that right. far. It's, it's distant, okay. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think we've got a, a long ways t- to go still. Might be 2022, 2023, but um, and I don't have those dates in front of me. But yeah, I think Insomniac was like they've set the tone. I think Rocksteady kind of raised the bar mm-hmm. and um they showed that you can really take characters like that seriously with arkham and they showed the whole industry that you can take a licensed property and like make the best game of the year and that's exactly what insomniac took as their starting position plus all of the great work that spider-man has had in games which they were very clear that they took influence and in learning from all of those different ideas um and now yeah, I think it was the smartest, and it wasn't an easy thing. Like I, I had, I was at Insomniac interviewing um, Ted Price about being independent a year before that deal happened, and mm-hmm. uh, they, you know, they'd been t- twenty four years in business at that point, and they were very proud of their. They were the largest independent game maker, right? Because they had the, they have their Burbank studios, and then they also have North Carolina studios. They were very proud of that, and they had a lot of room to pivot, and they. 
did a bunch of cool things in VR. They, they started a self-publishing thing working with GameStop. Uh, you know, they've had this really interesting origin story and lots of twists and turns. Um, but when I saw that that happened, because I'm sure Sony's been asking to buy <laughs> the studio for decades. <laughs> but when I saw that happen, I was like, oh, my God, well, this is the biggest deal. And uh, smartest move that they could have made. Now, Insomniac is yeah. so they're so good that the Ratchet and Clank game, mm-hmm. which would have been the best game of the year from any other studio, was ju- just really good. You know, <laughs> it was just really good. It wasn't like because everything like the, even the PS4 Ratchet and Clank game right. was, uh, I think, more exciting to me than future uh, or than um, what's it called? Uh yeah, Rift Apart. Then Rift Apart, uh, because it was there had been a longer stretch on on them, you know, revitalizing the brand, and then sure. this seemed to be like a, a great sort of extension on it. But it wasn't as good as what they had just shown off with both of their Spider-Man games. So you know what's in what they're capable of, you know. Yeah, no. Well, going back to Guardians, it's also going to be available on the yeah. Switch via cloud version. Like I've been hearing so yeah. much things about this cloud version. Is there actually any games available yet? through the cloud version or, or is like galaxy uh, and i think dying light I, 2 is going to come to it as well yeah, yeah. Light Two is. i think in japan they've had a bunch i haven't ever okay. gotten a code for a cloud okay I, I know that you can get some right now but i've never received a code or never asked for a code for uh, a cloud version to review i guess i should do that i, pl- I played a bunch of stadia when uh, you know it, uh, it was going and then once they closed the studio that I, that really pissed me off. Mm. You know, I just felt like I know it was expensive and it was a, a brutal lesson to learn. But I felt like if anybody's got the pockets to just see at least this first round of games getting made, it's Google, and they should have done that. Mm. And uh, I just I really kind of all my energy to cover what they were doing because they they have some cool stuff for sure. You know, like I don't know if you guys have toyed around with Stadia, but it's pretty impressive tech. Um, but once they closed the studio, I was like. Mm. I really don't want to talk about this anymore. You know. <laughs> yeah, the tech's impressive. I was I uh, as a long time at that time Destiny Two player. Uh, that was kind of mm-hmm. going to be my my benchmark for Stadia was seeing how Destiny Two played on it. Oh. And uh, like I have, I have a very good fast internet connection, which helps. But I found there was very little noticeable lag. I, I didn't think that uh, the gameplay was compromised at all with uh, Destiny Two. But the problem with Stadia is I, I, I feel like they should have launched it from the get go as a like a Netflix-style subscription yes, service. Yes, 100%. Um, and, not, oh. and not a thing where you buy a Stadia version of the game to play on Stadia. and Because you're that just siloing sense. off, you know, your, your your tiny customer base right. into this, like, I don't want to, I don't want to buy a game on Stadia and only play it on Stadia. Like, if, if I could buy a game... I don't know. Like, I don't know what the, I don't. I, I think the alternative was to do some kind of a, like a subscription deal because I, 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 I'm genuinely surprised Stadia is still around. Like I know Google usually gives their initiatives two or three years before they quietly shut them down, which I expect is going to happen with Stadia, especially now that we've got uh, XCloud and Sony's cloud uh, thing coming out and GeForce Now and all these other cloud competitors, some of which have much bigger uh, brand name or cachet amongst gamers. I, yeah. I don't think Stadia, Stadia is going to survive that. Um, you know that. You know period, the but Xbox and PlayStation were very nervous about Stadia. They had come out oh, with okay. a, a lot of buzz and a lot of um, 
there's an inevitability about what they're talking about, right? Just like when you talk about the digitization of games and the lack of uh, physical media, like it just feels because that's what's happened with music and movies. It just feels that that's what's going to happen with games. And then the next step would be something where you, you just have this endless buffet that you can log into, which, uh, and play instantly. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I think they, they were telling too many stories. I think you're right, Steve. I think that if they had partnered with, even with Steam and said, look, if you buy it on Steam, oh. you can also stream it on Stadia. Yeah, yeah. You, you yeah know. Good. Um, I don't Just know. buy a PC copy of the game, yeah, and play it on Stadia. Yeah. Wherever you are, that 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 could have been uh, you know something that, that would have convinced more people to throw <laughs> in the Stadia. But uh, now I think it's just, they kind of got out there, well, not first, because the other guys did have solutions, but they came out there with the first real... Uh, viable technology, but now everybody yep. else is caught up. And yep. even in terms of we're talking about value, you, you got something like Game Pass, Xbox Game Pass, which is like just yep. a mind-blowing value, yes. right? It is. It is basically Netflix for games. In fact, we were just talking about Guardians of the Galaxy, and I think one of my concerns with that game is that we had the Avengers come out from from Square Enix, and yeah, and it's on Game Pass now. And it's on Game Pass now, yeah. And and, and I felt like yeah. that game. How could that game miss? You know, you've got the team, yeah. and they're the biggest thing in the MCU, and it yeah. didn't quite click. It was just, it was okay, eh? But it didn't yeah. quite click, and now they're now they're going to take a lesser kind of a lesser. Well, we know why that is. It's all the bullshit on on live service for that game. Like, if the They've, you know if they, that should yeah, have been you're saying that going to be single player only, right? Now that yeah, yeah. That, that's the case. Yeah. That is what they're leaning into. That is definitely a good sign for Guardians of the the Guardians of the Galaxy game because yeah. There was too much of their. They tried to destiny, destinyify it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and like, Bioware couldn't even do that, you know. So oh, yeah. like, yeah. yeah, and I don't, I don't understand this. I mean, I know that it can be hundreds of millions of dollars, and I, I think that Avengers is ticking upwards right now since Black Panther. But I, I think it's, it's a bit of hubris to go out there and just assume that people are going to want to log in forever and ever and ever. I mean, it, it is working out, and the business cases are out there, and I am proven wrong about this all the time. You're still playing Destiny. There's lots of people that love this stuff. But I think the wisest move on Crystal D's part and Square Enix's part and Idos Montreal's part would have been to do a cooperative story-based Avengers game that was about 20 hours long, full price. And, and the expectation for people just jumping in and playing as you, because all the mechanics are great in that game. Yes, playing as are. these different heroes yep. is really fun. It is. If they had just made us a game that worked and had a <laughs> nice finale, a nice conclusion all the way through, sure. and could, we could play with our buds, we would have loved it. And there would have been no, no more of this negative, like it gets repetitive noise around the game. It would, just been, it would have been received well. And then they could have said, okay, well, guess what? For Avengers 2. We're going to go into live service, and then they would have had all of this asset work, all of this design theory and philosophy, and the fan base. Everybody would have been like, "Oh my god, yes, we get to buy new costumes!" Like, I don't know who gives a shit about buying new costumes for people for the characters in the Avengers. You know, people do though. I know, right? I never understood those people yeah. myself. <laughs> well, the <laughs> other big showcase that happened obviously was Nintendo Direct. We touched a little bit on it. What were some of the highlights for you guys out of that one? Uh, N64 and Genesis on, on Switch is a pretty big deal. Right. You know, I, 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 uh, yeah, I think that's pretty awesome. Um, and that, honestly, 
I'm such a big fan of retro gaming right now that, Me that too. Uh, it's there's and it's because of the same stuff that we're talking about. It's the, the simplicity and the you get the finished product. There's no like extra things that you have to <laughs> right. do to, no, to get no up patches. to work. You just have no <laughs> yes. patches. No, you just <laughs> plug it in and it works. Exactly. Uh, but it was cool to see the, um, and I've been playing them, the Castlevania Game Boy Advance games yes. on the Switch. Perfect. That's what I want to and, look for. Uh, yeah, I haven't played ActRaiser yet, but that was a huge shock. Mm. Um, and yeah. that, that was a really nice surprise. And Bayonetta 3 as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I feel like, uh, I'm going to get crucified for this. I, I feel like Nintendo and I just kind of parted ways. Really? Um, you know, I have, like, I love, I love the classic games, but I have the old hardware. I have, like, a, a mint condition N64 just out of my arm's reach off camera <laughs> here, right? Sure. And when I'm looking at the stuff coming up for the Switch, um, like, I'm just seeing not a lot there that's for me. I like I like a uh, you know a mainline Mario game. I will put hundreds of hours into Breath of the Wild 2 when it comes out, just like as I did with Breath of the Wild. But stuff like a new Kirby game or um, mm. you know Splatoon 3. Splatoon, Splatoon was a lot of fun. But other games came along that did novel takes on multiplayer that I have enjoyed more, and I just left Splatoon sure. behind. Um, Metroid Dread is not... Again, the Met- 2D Metroids are not really up my alley either. So I'm, I'm just not. I just, I've fallen out. I've not fallen out of Nintendo's kind of bucket of people. And Nintendo doesn't care about me. I don't care about Nintendo that much anymore. In fact, it's, it's the, the, the two things that kind of excited me the most out of that showcase was the fact that uh, Disco Elysium is coming to the Switch, which is a fantastic yep. game, one of the best written games really I've ever played. Okay, yeah, yeah. In fact, I think it won. I think it won like a a BAFTA for writing or something like that. Wow. Like it's it's, it's yeah. an incredible game. Okay. And as <laughs> stupid as it sounds, I've mm. already played the hell of these games. So the, the Shadow Run trilogy, you know, games that have been out for years or games that have been out on other platforms a long time ago coming to the switch. I know that's not a big deal for anybody, but, um, I don't know. There's just not a lot in Nintendo's, uh, catalog right now, other than again, the, the big Mario games or the big Zelda games that really excites me. The big story though, of course, was the announcement of the uh, the Mario movie voice cast? Oh yeah! Oh my god, the <laughs> internet lost it. Right, I couldn't oh, believe it either. I'm like, it's a movie, people. Oh, he, right. see, even my cat agrees. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, people she doesn't understand it. Like, Pratt fan over there. People say, <laughs> oh, you know, they, you know, Charles Martinet should have done the voice of Mario. Could you would you sit through two hours of yo ho that would drive you insane after five minutes. That True. voice for Mario after five minutes would drive you bonkers. So, <laughs> and you can't sell a big animated Hollywood movie on a name like Charles Martinet. We all know him. We of all course. love him. Right. You know, we, loved him for years but joe moviegoer who you know knows mario because he played it on the playstation nintendo 64 box you know we can't yeah. wait the kid he doesn't he doesn't know who this guy is he knows who chris pratt is you know he knows who jack black is and uh i yep. think some of the casting is actually really inventive but i but i, I admit i'm curious to see the voice that chris pratt is going to do for mario but having like charlie days luigi i think is brilliant and jack yeah. black as uh who's he, who's he playing again jack black's bowser. playing bowser, bowser right yeah 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 seth rogan is donkey Kong. yeah <laughs> a little less sure about it i'm not sure about that one but i don't know i i think i just i it the thing that surprised me more about the cast is the way that the internet the internet lost its mind. I couldn't believe well, it either. They, they, should have cast, they should have cast an Italian 
celebrity. They should have cast an Italian um, uh, com- comedian or celebrity, like one of the uh, voice actors from Luca. I think, mm. right? They could have had all these other blockbuster stars, but the character of Mario should not sound like Chris Pratt. That's what, that's a weird thing. Obviously, Charles Martinet is not Italian either, right? And I don't think, yeah. I don't think, like, I don't look at Mario and think, oh, that's Mario. He represents, you know, the Italian American plumber experience. <laughs> like, I don't think of him as Italian when he kind of speaks in that really overdone Italian accent. I don't know if yes. cast an Italian person was necessary necessarily, but uh, Chris Pratt. I think a problem with Chris Pratt too is, is this guy's overexposed now, right? We've seen him in everything. He's, he's already in Emmett in the Lego movies, and he's right? he's in Onward. Like he's already done he's in everything. Like, He's in everything. Yeah. So we're gonna see him. We're gonna see him fifteen times. We're gonna see him in the next Guardians. We're gonna see him in the next Jurassic Park. You know, next Tomorrow we're War. <laughs> Hopefully, we don't see a Tomorrow no, that's, War. I like that movie. It's, it's getting a sequel for sure. It's been greenlit Is it really already. Getting a sequel? Oh, wow. Yeah, oh, yeah. absolutely. I mean, I, yeah. if I had to put it up against uh, Army of the Dead, I'm not sure which one I would. I, I liked to... Army of the Dead too. I, oh, I think dude. My... I think my bar on <laughs> the streaming movies is pretty low, but I, I, yeah, they're both mindless. They're both dumb, but uh, I enjoyed them. I like that extraction movie too, the uh, which was also dumb. They're, they've all been pretty dumb when they're. It's like the new. They're they're like superstar led straight to DVD movies. That's, that's actually a really great way of describing them. They are yes. Netflix originals, yeah. <laughs> because they got all the money. Let's just throw it at this and we'll just whip it together and hopefully people show up, you know? Well, that's the Red thing too. Is, is the big one like me myself, I love when something is so horrible that it's great. Like the one thing that pops in my mind that everyone's talking about now is Squid Game. Have you guys watched this on Netflix yet? No, not I yet. I just started watching the first episode. Oh, did you? Probably. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I have a feeling I'm going to like it because I liked uh, uh, it's Korean, right? South Korean, yeah. I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I know. I don't know what it's about. I don't want to know what it's about okay. because I like going to things cold. Sure. Uh, but I watched. Oh God, I've already forgotten the name of it though. The oh, it was a Japanese series where it's like it's set in Tokyo and everybody's vanished, but then these people have to compete in these weird kind of escape room challenges. Oh. And anyway, it was kind of like a. a, a heightened take on kind of escape rooms or video games sure. set in like a you know like a cool asian metropolis with with lots of violence and death happening i don't know squid games like that at all but uh from, from the buzz it's getting it sounds gonna be up my alley have you watched it all Vic or steve have, no. have you guys watched it all I'm, no. I'm about halfway through now so yeah i don't want to yeah. ruin it like well you finished the first full episode right not the first, not even the first full episode. Oh, so okay. So, whew, so I can't even say anything because, yeah, wow. So, but yeah, so far, thumbs up. I, I can't wait okay. to watch more. It's it's so out there. It's so crazy. Like I said, it's, and obviously I, I'm watching it with the English acting, right? So the lips are off. So, because uh, again, it's so hard nowadays because I have so much going on. It's hard to watch something and read it so to pay attention. So I'll, I'll be on my phone and I'll be listening that way, right? But the acting is so horribly good. It makes you laugh sometimes. And just the whole premise, it's just so altered. It's like, this would never happen, but you're th- you want to see more. Like every episode leaves you on a cliffhanger and is I don't know. Now I'm probably overhyping it, but I love it. I love it. <laughs> I've started watching Foundation on uh, Apple. Oh, that's the um, one, right? Yeah. That's beautiful. They've done it. I have only two. They've only put out two episodes, but it's beautiful. And um, I'm hooked on the morning show. And I think it's because I've been it's on so best. many damn morning shows. Okay. And and it's so political. 
these network shows, and this is so gross. The show, <laughs> the the world that the show right. um, brings us, but it's fascinating, and and it's also beautiful. Like the production quality on these programs are just incredible. Uh, but we love Ted Lasso, man. Ted yeah, Lasso Apple TV Plus is killing incredible. them with these shows. You know, Ted Lasso, yeah. the morning show. I even got into it's. It's not as. Uh, uh, as good as the other two, but have you watched C at all on Apple Apple TV? Plus? We watched a few, yeah. And I, okay, now yeah. I want to watch it because Bautista's in the second season, and yeah, uh, I, I I dug what we saw. It's it asks a lot of the viewer though. It asks yeah. a lot of like you know, uh, suspending your disbelief, but it's cool. Yeah, I, I, they do some great world building in it. You're right. Mm-hmm. You have to sort of. <laughs> think, it's like a hey, game. How- how did they do all this if they're blind? I mean, this thing, yeah. I don't, I don't try to buy it, but yeah, and it is slow. It is a bit of a slog to get going, but as it gets yeah. toward the, end of the first season, things start to pick up. But yeah, Apple, Apple is, uh, it's really wild how Apple, when they first announced Apple TV Plus, I'm like, hey, what are you gonna have? You have one or two shows, one or two movies. You got that, that you bought that weird Tom Hanks <laughs> boat movie. Yeah, um, yeah, that was weird. Yeah, and then, and then they go to the Emmys. Yeah, they go to the Emmys and yeah. walk home with like buckets of Emmys for Ted Lasso, and uh, it, it blows me away that we watch TV shows made by Apple. Like I, right? it's yeah. so yeah. hard to kind of wrap my head around that. But they've been killing it. Amazon has been killing it with the boys and and uh, um, yeah. the animated show. It was uh, oh, infamous, uh, Invincible, Invincible, Invincible. Yeah. Right, sorry, yeah. Invincible. Yeah. Um, love those both of those shows and uh, Disney Plus with all the Star Wars and Marvel mm-hmm. stuff and Netflix. I you know you know like we we're on there, but I I find that it's it's become way more hit and miss on Netflix. I I feel like they're most of the stuff is just okay when I watch the stuff that Netflix is is producing. Yeah. You know, that makes sense. yeah, the Netflix original stuff. Uh, I mean, that kind of set the bar back with. Um, you know, stuff like Orange is the New Black and Stranger Things. Yeah, they came out of the gate with some really strong shows and then everybody else came out with their own really really strong shows. And now, yeah, Netflix seems to be floundering a bit. I mean, they've got stuff like Stranger Things to fall back on, but you're absolutely right. They, uh, (laughs) I mean, except for things like, you know, Army of the Dead and Tomorrow War, which, and and actually, I really liked Extraction. I I did, I did, that was the the Chris Hemsworth one, right? Netflix, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 They're making a sequel on that too. But um, yeah, it, like uh, compared to stuff like um, you know Ted Lasso or uh, or the Morning Show or the Boys or um, you know what the other guys are doing, Netflix is is a step behind. You know, well, yeah, actually, got the Expanse, which is just insanely oh, good. Oh yeah, yeah. Have you guys watched Clickbait? That's that's decent. I haven't seen that yet. No. Okay, no. that takes you on a crazy ride. It's one of those where you don't know what's going on until the last episode. So cool, Sweet. very cool. I can't wait for Succession. That's another obsession that my wife and I have. The uh, it's a media show on HBO. Uh, Brian Cox is the head of a family. It's very much like a parable for what we saw with the Trumps, um, oh. but th- th- these people are smarter, and uh, it's incredibly insidious. And the uh, acting is amazing in there. Um, like everybody's so insidious. And I'm also a fan of Yellowstone. Believe it or not, oh. the Kevin Costner. Oh. Okay. Uh, which is also, it's like Game of Thrones in Montana. Oh. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> sure. With cowboys. It's it's a weird idea, but it's an empire that's that's being threatened and uh, uh, over the top, but very, very addictive. Cool, cool. Yeah, okay, those are yeah. all great suggestions. All right, well, before we get to the worst story of the week, one thing I don't really recall or remember, but have these guys ever reviewed anything together on Reviews on the Run or EP Daily? 
Oh yeah. Oh we okay. Stuff. Way back. Uh, we reviewed when I, Journey when I, my, when I got my start on the show. Ah uh, okay. Vic Tommy had left or yep. was off doing Tommy stuff, and Vic was cycling in <laughs> some very uh, right. behind the years uh, co-host. Okay. And yeah, my first my my first experience being on camera in that kind of way was to uh, Vic. Vic and Marcy flew me out to Vancouver and put me up in a hotel and shoved a big box of games and game consoles at me to, <laughs> to, to play through. Uh, so we can shoot a bunch of episodes later in the week. And um, I'm glad that I don't have those those shows, mm-hmm. those episodes anywhere because oh, you were at, always good, at, Steve. Even at the end of our tenure, Raju and I were, were like, okay, we had a chemistry. But I would go back and find those people to watch. If I, Vic, if I went back and watched the first ones that we shot in Vancouver, I would probably just hide my head. Yeah. Up. <laughs> I guess you guys, you're... you know, it was it was so important for me to do that. I was so nervous when Tommy left because we'd already built ten years of rapport yeah. together with working together and a shorthand, and also this connection with the audience. But then the empowerment that came from bringing other people on board and learning from every voice as well, right? Like you were really good right out of the gate. Everybody that I brought on had something really interesting that is to bring to the table. Yeah. And I really learned a lot and it helped me become a better host and a better producer. Mm. And um, it really gave me the strength to understand that this, if, if we handle it right, we're going to be able to bring a lot of interesting voices into this production and people are going to like them. And, and, that's exactly what happened. And yeah. so, you know, you you may um, say that, you know, you may internally pit yourself against other teams or whatever, but I can tell you emphatically that a lot of people out there, you and Raju were their favorite team. And I heard that from lots of people about, and it, you know, people love Ben and Jose, people loved watching Marissa and, and uh, Sean work yeah. together. We had them reviewing a lot of mobile stuff. And it's dependent on... You, you know the the stuff that you guys were all talking about, but um, also the personalities, you know, and that was the beautiful thing about our work was that it was really about the people, you know, mm-hmm. it wasn't just like here are the features, here's this, here's that, here's that. It was really getting to know every person, and I just felt so proud of of you and of everybody on the show. Like it really felt, um, and that was I didn't plan any of that, I didn't predict it. I was just really felt so rewarding to have this group of people all be so talented and all have their fantastic wisdom and perspective. And all of you guys were writers as well. So you had way with words and, uh, yeah. So yeah, don't knock yourself, man. You were great on the show. Absolutely. I, I, I'm not sure I believe you, but I thank you. For that. <laughs> I think your, your philosophy of bringing in people who were not, you know, quote unquote TV personalities, bringing in writers, um, who are people who worked in other mediums, to be on the show was part of the reason it worked so well because everybody was for better or for worse was very kind of raw and genuine on camera and, and awkward sometimes but you didn't and have any like to be that though like we wanted yeah. that from you guys like the show only works if you're that you know you didn't have anybody who was like slick or overproduced or you know coming on the show with an aspiration of using it as a stepping stone to other tv work you had passionate people who were passionate about games you know, yep. in a lot of in a lot of cases, people who are passionate about games in a, in a in a writing capacity, 
coming to talk to them about them on camera. And I think it, I think that worked. I think that was a really, that was a brilliant move on your part. And, you know, as awkward as we may have looked at times, <laughs> at least you knew you were watching real people. You know, we weren't like, some, Hey, how are you? Come on. Hey. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe except for and, and, Tommy well, himself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and when people saw us all together, they could see the genuine joy that we all had to be in each other's company and how special that was. And I'm really, I'm not supposed to say this. I'm supposed to be humble about all this, but I know we made the best fucking shows about this medium ever. You did. Better than anybody else out there. Electric Playground and Reviews on the Run, they are the best shows that have been made about video games and this kind of pop culture and this, this kind of geek culture. And I'm so, so freaking proud i'm so proud of them you know and it, it breaks my heart that there's no broadcasters that see because i can't fund these shows alone right but it breaks my heart that there's no um broadcasters that see the value in what we built because what we mm-hmm. built wasn't just a show about games it was a team it was about the the you know shared workload and the shared responsibility and the respect and the deliver the, the deliverables, you know, the constant stream of, of access and connection and information and respect that we gave back to the uh, mediums that we were covering, that doesn't exist. It doesn't exist online, doesn't exist on TV. We did it. Yeah. And we, we did it in a way that reached more people than any other content ever had before. You know, things are changed now because of uh, everybody's on YouTube. Um, but... Yeah, I'm really proud of what we accomplished. And I wish that we had partnered, like I really wish that Rogers, who was a fantastic partner, but I really wish they weren't terrified of this revolution that was happening. I Mm. wish that they had embraced it and that they had said, look, we're going to go on Twitch and we're going to go on YouTube and we're going to spread this information in as many places as possible because I have a feeling if they had done that, we would be rocking still to this day. Agree. Agree and well put, my friend. Well put. So, you guys ready for the worst story of the week? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I'm assuming everyone's bought some sort of frozen food or canned goods or whatever packaged during their life, right? This is already weird. (laughs) I I, I, I don't know what the hell you're doing. (laughs) Yeah, you know how we all eat peanut butter. Yeah. <laughs> well, have you guys bought anything and it was either packaged incorrectly or there was something inside that wasn't supposed to be inside? You guys have any of those type of stories or has it been always normal yeah. for you guys? Oh, no, no. I have. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Do you care to share? Uh, well, this, this is this is gross. Go for uh, it. And it, this is not, not so much like I purchased a good and I wanted it. I got another good. Okay. Um, I bought a box of raisins when I was in Hawaii on vacation when I was about 20 years old. Sure. And I opened the raisins and was chomping on them. Oh, no. And then oh, I looked no. into the box no. and it was moving. Oh, no. Are you kidding me? Tons and tons of bugs in there. I don't even know what the hell it was, but I dropped the box and I it was blah, blah, blah. I was spitting it out and like trying to wipe my tongue. And, uh, you know, I did pick up the box and put it in the garbage. But uh, <laughs> it was, it was uh, yeah, that was, that was mortifying. <laughs> That was, was disgusting. Okay, well, I don't know what's worse, that one or this week's story, but you guys could be the judge of it. So, this week's yeah. story comes from Oklahoma, where yeah. a woman and her two children were out grocery shopping. The kids wanted the mom to buy frozen, like those little frozen pizza rolls that everyone knows, right? Yeah. So, when she went to reach for the bag and pick it up, it didn't feel right. It was mushy. 
Like, obviously, everyone knows frozen goods should be hard, like rock, right? It shouldn't be mushy. Yeah. So she already yeah. knew so, so, something was wrong. Now, if you could guess, what do you think was inside that bag instead of pizza rolls? Uh, mice? Mm, no. Steve? Uh, poop. Ding, ding, ding. There was poop. fucking human shit inside the bag. <laughs> I was just, I was oh, guessing oh. the weirdest thing I could think of. Oh, oh. God. Oh. oh, man. Somebody at the pizza roll. Good night, everybody. Someone's about to get fired in the... Way we got possible. bags of human poop for everyone, everybody in the audience. <laughs> so apparently there was a guy who's been doing this for a few months, going to grocery store to grocery store, dropping a deuce in bags of frozen food and leaving them in the frozen section. He finally got caught because of surveillance and all that. But can you believe what some people get their jollies off? Uh, although, you know, nutritionally speaking, I think they'd probably be about, you know, <laughs> That beats my bug story, for sure. Okay, there you go then. In the yeah, worst but way possible. Yeah, in the worst possible way. Well, and I think it's worse because you actually ate what was inside the box. Now, if if you looked inside and saw it, what do you think would be actually worse? Like you know, because eating shit, I don't know. I don't think anything tops eating shit. Steve, I never want to find that out. I don't <laughs> want to talk about that. That's that's, that's such an awful. <laughs> I thought I was coming on a nice, pleasant podcast today. I didn't know I was going to be asked if I should eat shit or not. thats I've never been asked that on a podcast before. Um, the answer is no. I don't want to eat shit. No, thank you. No matter how you cook it or prepare it or whatever bag you put it in. No, thanks. Oh, that's awesome. All right, gentlemen. It's been a blast. Really appreciate it. If you guys got stuff to plug, floors all yours, socials, upcoming stuff, anything. Go for it. Uh, as usual, as usual, I'm working behind the scenes. I'm uh, I'm writing for the, the the large tech company about uh, mobile games, and I'm doing a consulting gig on uh, actually a game. Sometimes the jobs I do, I do a little bit of consulting, not as much as some of the other guys who have uh, uh, left journalism. But um, you know, you don't get to pick the games, and sometimes they're games they're not you're not always interested in. But one of them, I can't say what it is just yet. But one of them was recently featured in one of the showcases, nice. and it looks freaking amazing and it's right up my alley so i get to do uh some work on that um uh in the next month guess? Or so. i was just gonna say the Can same thing <laughs> i won't say yes or no. i'm not sure you could guess because it was it's a game that uh kind of came out of uh out of left field oh. is it forespoken <laughs> I, I will either confirm <laughs> <or not. laughs> but i well, have to be working on a game that coming up that looks really good and uh i'm really excited about Awesome. <laughs> but as usual, you can find me uh, on Twitter at, at Steve Tilly. I, I, I post about once every three months, I think, is the kind of pace I'm, I'm, I'm on right now. Once Usually, every the last three months. That's awesome. Holy shit. The last time I, I tweeted I should, anything was. Uh, I should get you working with me again on, uh, on editing videos because I've never taken so many fucking selfies of myself in my whole life. <laughs> all these different expressions of. <laughs> it's. Just, it's, it's it's unreal. I mean, I like I don't know what happened, but that's that's what people click on now. It's it's insane, right? Um, uh, I've been making a ton of YouTube vids like crazy. Uh, I think it kept me sane through the pandemic. I used to, uh, I was working with an editor named Blake for many years, and other people too. But then, of course, the pandemic forced everybody into their homes, and and like we can't go visit studios, we can't go to events and stuff. So I had to yeah. scale down to just me. 
Um, but it's been kind of invigorating to uh, work so much and learn new things and edit and, and make stupid thumbnails. Um, but I've been having a good time and I've been cranking. So youtube.com slash EPNTV. Tons of incredible interviews. I just interviewed uh, Simu Liu about Shang-Chi oh, cool. uh, not too long ago. And, awesome. and today, actually, just before we were uh, chatting, I was talking with some of the people that had, were working on What If, which will be uh, on the channel next week. Um, but I've also started to stream a lot more on Twitch, and that's really fun, too. Uh, and what's cool is that I've been, I'm have been i such an old fart, and I've been doing this for so long that uh, uh, a lot of the audience has been with me for a long time and watched the shows and they're so smart and they're so you know into it and they have so much wisdom and and great advice and so i find that every time i stream or post stuff the the chat and the connection in the community is really wonderful to see lots of friendships being made um so that's twitch.tv slash epn for live stuff and then lots of vids on youtube.com slash epn tv and then i'm on socials too Victor Lucas. And for myself, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter under Finger Styles. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, the podcast DAP. Email us your thoughts, suggestions, comments, anything you want to get off your chest at the podcast DAP at gmail.com. Please rewind to the top of the show. Support us, find sponsors because if it helps them, almost definitely helps me out. But again, most importantly, please rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms. One last question, Vic, before I let both of you go. Yeah. How the hell did you land a gig on CNN, my friend? Oh, I'm I'm uh, friends with the producer over there, and oh, uh, okay, uh, we we go way back. And um, uh, well, I think what really precipitated it was because I've done a couple of things in the past, but what really precipitated this kind of regular appearance thing is uh, Animal Crossing was just such a huge explosive explosive story during the pandemic. They needed people to talk about sure. that, and um, and they like me. And so they keep asking me to come back and talk about different <laughs> aspects of pop culture, which is which is really cool. I do wish that we had started this connection, you know, sooner, <laughs> and that we uh, I had more people in my stable and more uh, EP and reviews on the run personalities like Steve. Damn, Tilly, uh, that reviews on just... the run could have been a could have been a segment on CNN if we don't. Yeah. Had sooner. <laughs> well, I, I you know I chat with them and who knows uh, you know they they say nice things and and the uh, the videos don't just air on cnn proper they go onto all their affiliates Beautiful. so it might be honestly the widest audience i've ever had because it's they're wow. in hundreds of local stations as well as cnn and then cnn.com um so it's really great exposure and, and it's always surreal that i'm you know i've been talking about star wars and superheroes on on cnn which is amazing which That's, is really fun. That is awesome. On that note, he's Steve, he's Vic, I'm Steve, this is the podcast, peace. <laughs>